0: feel like we should be at a drive-in movie and really we should just drop the screen down. It it feels like that. I don't know if you've ever been to a a church that met in a drive-in movie theater uh, or out in the grass, Uh, but that's kind of the feel of this. So uh, if any time you feel like uh, yelling out an amen, praise God, or honking your horn by something you hear or something God inspires in your heart, feel free. Uh, It is... um, uh, up to you, and we'll just uh, trust that the Spirit will move uh, in this time. So, um, Pastor Mark has not had this windy of a day. <laughs> he did suggest that I write down the scriptures and put it on the computer, because, you know, this could happen. So, we'll get we'll get there. But we're going to dive into uh, the story of Jonah, really the epic story of Jonah. Now, Jonah's a prophet, uh, and uh, he was... Um, he, uh, he, he had other uh, prophecies that uh, God was talking to him for uh, Israel, the nation of Israel. Uh, but this particular book is really just telling this one story of Jonah's life. And it's a pretty big one. It's, as, as it goes, a um, uh, story as it goes, it's an epic one, right? A lot of times we think of Jonah, and we think, ah, oh, this big fish and living three, three days and three nights in this big fish. But it was a, a much bigger story than that. So we'll dive into um, the story of Jonah in this epic tale, really, is that uh, in the beginning, really the first four verses, there's so much in there, right? But God tells uh, Jonah to go to Nineveh. Now, Nineveh is the capital of Assyria, uh, which uh, present-day uh, uh, northern Iraq and on the east side of uh, the Euphrates River, um, and so he's, he's told as a prophet for Israel, right, one of the few prophets to go talk to a nation that is that is not God's people. They're not Hebrews. Uh, they're Assyrians, and God tells Jonah to go there. Now, if you've heard the story of, of Jonah or read it before, or you've seen a VeggieTales uh, video about it, you know that Jonah went the opposite direction, and not in just the opposite direction, right? The the distance between um, Israel and uh, Nineveh is like 500 miles, and and Jonah was like, you know what? I, I don't want to go there. I want to go four times further the opposite direction. So he goes down to uh, Joppa and he hops on a boat and he uh, pays his way to get 2, 2,000, miles away uh, through the Mediterranean. And then what we read the story of in Jonah is that God brought a storm on the sea, and the boat uh, was, the storm was so violent and so big that the boat was ready to tear itself apart. And so the sailors on the boat, who are not Hebrew and who worship other gods, uh, are, are, are trying to figure out what's going on. So they're praying to their own God, may the seas calm down and let us survive this, uh, this storm. And of course, they cast lots, and guess whose lot gets cast? But Jonah, and, and who happens to be asleep, right inside the inside the the boat, and the captain's like, seriously, we are all out here trying to work hard to pray to our God for us not to die out here. Why don't you pray to yours and see what happens, right? And so Jonah's response uh, in in um, in praying to everyone's praying to their God. His response. To this storm that's going on around and ready to tear this boat apart is I'm a Hebrew and I fear the Lord God of heaven who made the sea and who made the dry lands and upon this proclamation the sailors those on the boat are terrified they are terrified praying to their God has not worked uh, they feel like the boat's going to just tear apart and they're all going to sink and drown and die uh, and 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 Jonah's statement I am a Hebrew and I fear the Lord the lord god of heaven who made the sea and the dry land and so they they don't he says look you throw me overboard and this storm will calm down and surprisingly their response to jonah is we don't want to do that we don't want to heap condemnation upon ourselves by throwing you overboard and jonah says well if you don't throw me overboard this storm will not stop and so they eventually Throw them overboard, and they cry out to God, the God they don't know, but the God of Jonah, who they've been uh, introduced to in this storm, in this moment, and 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 they are crying out to God, praising Him, uh, and so Jonah's thrown into the into the sea. Uh, a big fish swallows him, and he's sitting in the belly of this fish for three days and three nights. There are so many. Uh, uh, Parallels between Jonah and his story and what we read in the New Testament. We'll get there pretty soon. Right? We'll get there pretty soon. But Jonah in the belly of the fish for three days and three nights. And you'd think he would and sitting in that situation might cry out to God and and apologize and weeping and okay, Lord, have mercy on me, but he doesn't. The prayer we read in the book of Jonah is this prayer of thanksgiving from Jonah to God. And at the end of this prayer, he finally says, If I will go, I will go where you have called. And upon the end of that prayer, God causes the fish to spit out Jonah on dry land. And uh, then he heads out to Nineveh from there. Wherever he happens to land, he heads out to Nineveh. Now, uh, as you read further into the story, as he gets into Nineveh, you can kind of even tell that he's still not, he doesn't really care about the Ninevites. He's not super pleased about doing this, still, because the, the, he, he gets into Nineveh, and he starts walking, and Nineveh is a three-day walk from one side to the other, and the first day he proclaims, and this is his proclamation, what God, uh, you know, this is cry out, the, the, the Ninevites, their wickedness uh, has come against me, and so he goes in there, the words he proclaims are 40 days, and Nineveh will be overthrown. I don't know. He, you know, He's walking through the streets. Just to picture this with me. 40 days and Nineveh will be overthrown. Just keep walking down the streets. One day of walking. 40 days and Nineveh will be overthrown. Does this sound like anything that would convince anyone <laughs> to change what they're doing? Listen, 40 days, that's it. And this is coming from a Hebrew uh, person, from a prophet of God, uh, whom they don't worship and don't recognize. He's walking one day into this city of a three-day walk, and proclaims this. And, and what we read in the book of Jonah is that Nineveh repents. The word gets to the king. Uh, he he sets a proclamation. Look, everyone is going to be in sackcloth and sit in ashes, whether it's man, woman, child, or animal. And we're going to repent of our sin. We're going to repent. And And so this takes place in Nineveh, a place that Jonah doesn't want to go to, a place that's an enemy of Israel. Uh, They have been known for uh, atrocities. They've been known for uh, just all kinds of evil and wickedness, And, and, and whether it's to the nation of Israel and the Hebrew people or to God. And so he proclaims this message. The entire city, the capital of Assyria, repents. The king repents. And uh, you might think that, you know, if this happened, it would be a real success for Jonah. But that's not the case. In fact, he's you know throwing a pity party for himself. He goes up onto this uh, hillside that overlooks uh, the city, and it says he's up there waiting um, and pouting. And he's like, "Look, I knew God. I knew, I knew that you would do this. I knew that you would offer them forgiveness. That you're, you would have mercy on them." I knew it, right? And, and how many of us can, can even say that of the people around us? Like, I knew that, God, you would offer that. And that person or that group, boy, they do not deserve it, God. So don't, don't ask me to bring a message of repentance and reconciliation, of a God that loves and, and a God that's willing to offer forgiveness and a God that is merciful and is willing to show his loving kindness. Don't ask me to share that word. Because I do not want them to see or experience that from you, God. And he's up here, Jonah's up here on this hill throwing this pity party for himself about the repentance of Nineveh and God willing to to forgive them and showing him his, his loving kindness. And it's almost as if a teenager, I mean, picture this, you're asking a teenager to do something like, I don't know, pick up the dog poop, mow the lawn, uh, do the dishes, clean the bathroom, right? And a teenager's response is, I would rather die. It would would be better for me to die than to have to do that. Just end it, right? Oftentimes in school, I was thinking it was when a, a paper was due, a really big one, I hadn't started on it until the day before. Teachers, I know this never happens to your students. You're way too good at it. At at teaching, but it would be, Lord, if you just take me now, I don't have to worry about this, right? (laughs) Or it's reading that book that I didn't start back in the beginning of summer that's now due here in the fall when school starts. Lord, if you just take me now, I don't have to worry about it, right? And he's sitting up there on this hillside watching, looking at Nineveh, watching over it. And it's like, it would be better for me to die than to see this happen. I, I would rather go. I would rather you just take me now. And he's throwing this pity party. God um, brings a, a, a branch, uh, a tree to, to grow over him to bring shade. And his, and his like a teenager, his immediate response was, I'm, he was happy. <laughs> I'm happy about this. And then God brings a bug to come and eat the, the plant that then it, it withers. And then he's sad about this. Actually, more than sad, he's angry. And God asks him a question. What do you have to be angry about? What do you have to be angry about? That you didn't create this branch, you didn't create this shade, and yet you're angry about it being gone. Should I not have compassion on those who live in Nineveh? This 120,000, should I not have compassion on, this, on these people? And of course, in Jonah fashion, because maybe he didn't have a response, it, there's, the book ends there in chapter 4 it ends there that's it should I not have compassion on these people almost to explain to God explaining to Jonah look this is who I am as a God as a creator uh, as your God the God of, of the Hebrews God of, of, of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob the God that you hear words from to proclaim to, to my people but also to the Ninevites. this is the kind of God I am this people you have no compassion for. You don't care about them. You don't want them to see, for, uh, uh, receive forgiveness and grace. You don't want any of that. And these people I care about as well. I care about them. You may not, but I do. And it's, and it's convicting. It's convicting for me in thinking there are people that God cares for deeply. His creation that I probably don't give two thoughts about. I move on quickly with the rest of my life. And thank God I'm so grateful that you love me. I'm so grateful that you call me your own. I'm so grateful you offer me forgiveness in the things that I say and do that are not of you. I'm so grateful for all of who you are, God. Almost that Thanksgiving prayer that Jonah gives in the belly of the fish. But but do I care about those that God cares about? Do I care about those who, uh, as James said, right, the true and and pure religion is caring for the orphans and widows and to be unpolluted by the world? Do I care about those who are being oppressed? Do I care about those who are marginalized uh, by society and by the world? Do I care about the people that God cares about? Do I care enough to bring a message of good news, to bring a a message of there's a God that loves you, there's a God that wants to be in relationship with you? There's a God that you may not know, but He knows you fully. He knows you, He knows the depth of your heart. He knows you. He knows all of you. Do I care about the people that God cares about? Something that comes to mind in the story of Jonah, and really the parallel for me, for me is in uh, the story of Peter and Cornelius. And this is in Acts chapter 10, and it continues after that. Um, but Peter and Cornelius, Peter or Cornelius has a vision. Cornelius, a, um, he he commands troops for the for the army. Uh, he's in uh, Caesarea, so this is a, a military installation for for um, for Rome. Uh, and uh, but he is um, uh, he, he he cares for the for the needy. He gives to uh, those who are in the in, in Caesarea to the synagogue. He he is an upright man. Uh, and many in Caesarea who knows Cornelius and, and knows of him, they, uh, they like him, right? Uh, he's a good guy, a uh, good leader, good commander. He has this vision, though, very specific from God, saying that um, there is a man named Peter who's staying in Joppa with uh, Simon the Tanner, and uh, send for him, go and get him. And Cornelius comes out of this vision, and he goes and sends his attendants to go, to go get Peter, this person Peter, who, who, who Cornelius has never met. And uh, they go to Joppa where Peter's staying, but in, in the midst of, of them traveling there, Peter has this vision as well. He's, uh, it's noon, he goes up to the rooftop of Simon the Tanner's house to pray, but in the midst of praying, he finds himself hungry. And so I don't know if these are hunger pains he's having, but he has a vision, and he has a vision of... Uh, this uh, really table or this table, this coming down from the heavens. And it's all these things that Peter would not eat as a good Hebrew, as a good follower of God, as part of the law. He would not eat these things. And uh, this thing lowers down from the heavens. And the word he hears is is kill and eat. And Peter's response to this is, I would never, and I have never. These are unclean things. And and I wouldn't put that in my body because of what's in the law. And the response from God to Peter's statement of, I would not eat and have not eaten this, is do not call what, is, what I have made clean, unclean or unholy. And Peter comes out of this uh, vision. Uh, the two visitors from Cornelius that he sends, they come in and they tell him what uh, their, their, their leader, their commander Cornelius has experienced. And they said, we're here to come to, to bring you to him, to bring you back to Caesarea. And so uh, they leave for Caesar, uh Peter does, and some of his, uh, his apostles. And um, then Peter goes into the house of Cornelius. And this is uh, Acts 10, starting in verse 34. And Peter goes into Cornelius' house, and everyone who's in the household is in attendance, and they're listening to Peter. And uh, and he shares the good news in this way. Then Peter began to speak. I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism, but accepts from every nation the one who fears him and does what is right. You know, you know the message of God sent to the people of Israel, announcing the good news of peace through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. You know what has happened throughout the province of Judea, Judea beginning in Galilee after the baptism uh, that John preached, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth, Nazareth in the, uh, with the Holy Spirit and power, how and how he went uh, around doing good and healing all who went under the power, who were under the power of, de- of the devil, because God was with him. We are witnesses of everything he did in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. They killed him by hanging him on the cross, but he, God raised him from the dead on the third day and caused him to be seen. He was not seen by all the people, but by witnesses whom, whom God had already chosen, by us. Right, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message, the Gentiles, everyone in Cornelius' house. This had not happened before. In fact, this had not happened before because all those uh, Hebrew people who were following Jesus, right, new converts, were saying, well, this is for us. This is for us. This is not for them. The Holy Spirit has come upon us, Peter, right at the day of Pentecost. And they proclaimed the good news to other Jews, other Hebrew people. And they all come, 3,000 on the first day. This was for us. The gift of the Holy Spirit was for us and not for them. And in this time in Peter's life and in his, in his journey and his relationship with God comes to a point of recognition. Do not call what I have made clean, unclean, or unholy. And so after this... Um, uh, sharing the good news with Cornelius and all that are in his household. The Holy Spirit is poured out upon this group of people and the Gentiles. Peter then returns from Caesarea to Jerusalem where, you know, the, uh, the new converts and, and really the early church fathers, let's put it that way. And they're questioning Peter saying, you, you went to an uncircumcised person's house and you ate with them. That is something we do not do. We don't do that. They're, they're them, and, and we're us, and we stay with us, and you leave them alone. And Peter recounts the vision. He recounts what, what Cornelius saw. He recounts the whole story of how the Holy Spirit came upon all those who were in the room. And Peter's response in Acts eleven seventeen to those who are questioning them and what they did and, and where God was calling them, he says this, Who was I that I could stand in God's way? Who was I that I could stand in God's way? Yeah, the Gentiles might be Gentiles. They may may live a certain way different than us, operate a certain way different than us, eat certain things different than us. Who am I to stand in the way of God? Who am I? God's love, God's forgiveness, God's grace, his loving kindness is for all. He is calling. He is about redeeming the world. He is calling all back to him. And we can be agents of that. We can be ambassadors of that we're really going to have to tear down the walls that we've put up ourselves. This is not just for us, but this is for all. In the moment that I think, oh, certainly this cannot be uh, where God is calling, certainly this cannot be a, a, a person or a people or a group that is deserving or worthy of God's love and God's forgiveness, His grace and His mercy, that's when God flips the table, and he says, look, no, I have compassion, I care, these are, these, are my, these are my creation, you may not care, you may have put up a wall, but these are my people, they may not be Hebrews, but these are my people, right, these might be Gentiles, and, and not the first original converts, or the apostles, but these are my people. Peter says, who am I that I could stand in, the, in God's way? We get other examples even in Paul, who even calls himself in, in Romans 11, he calls himself, I'm an apostle of the Gentiles. God sent him specifically to send the word, the good news of Jesus, who he is and what he's come for. The same message that Peter gave to Cornelius and his household. It's the same message even that, that Jonah heard from God, that God is gracious he's compassionate he's slow to anger abundant in loving kindness this is what Jonah proclaimed that he's like god i knew this is your characteristic who you are a gracious god a compassionate one slow to anger abundant in loving kindness and then again for peter and cornelius god is god is cleansing what we or what we thought was unholy or unclean what we thought maybe that's what I ought to just push away. The example of Jesus as he sat with the sinner. He went to the home of the, of the tax collector. Those which the Pharisees were like, This is not what we do. And Jesus was like, But this is what I do. I come and I'm with you. I see you. I call out this love, I offer compassion forgiveness in repentance. God is about redeeming the lost and restoring the broken, and and that's what he's calling us to as followers of Christ. We're called to be agents of redemption, to be ambassadors of reconciliation. This is a call if we say yes to Jesus. This is a call. It's the call that Peter recognized in that vision, to come bring the good news. And we can do that in our community, in our families the people that we interact with day in and day out. We can be agents of redemption, ambassadors of reconciliation, restoring the broken things, offering hope to the hopeless. This is what we get to be a part of. And we get to choose whether we're going to be like Jonah to sit up on the hillside and pout about who God is and what he's about, or we can dive in like Peter and say, I trust that, yeah, you've come to me to bring me back to Cornelius to share this word. And I trust that, and I'll go. And we can offer that word of reconciliation, redemption, and, a, and, and, and about a word of a, a, the, there's a God that loves you and the God that is willing to offer forgiveness. There's hope for you. In a world that seems so hopeless and uncertain, there is hope for you in God. How will we live this out? How will this look like in our daily life? Where will God send us and will we be faithful to go? If someone comes to us and we hear that there's a message that needs to be shared of God's love and God's hope, will we be faithful to share it? Can we trust that God has already made a way for us to share that word and trust that that word will land on fertile soil and they'll hear it and they'll know it? This is the invitation for us, church. The story of Jonah that God's love is, you're not, we're not too far away from it. He's about redeeming. He's about restoring. Can we be those agents of redemption, those ambassadors of reconciliation? And that's our, our challenge as well today. Will we live that out? Will we live it out and be faithful like Peter to go and to trust? This is where he's called. This is the The way he's prepared. So I pray that that word lands on fertile soil, and as God invites you into that relationship more and more, you begin to see where his kingdom is breaking in and where he's calling you to engage. Let's pray. Father God, this morning, I thank you for the 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 word of uh and story and life of Jonah. Um as encouraging as it is to know, God, that no matter whether we're the ones running away, God, uh, that you are still with us. If there isn't uh, anywhere that we can go, God, that you are not willing to get our attention, wanting us to turn to you, God, and say, I trust you, God. I will go. I will go where you, where you send me. I'll go where you're calling me. And I pray, God, that each of us here would be o- open, more and more open to that invitation, God, from you, to go where you're sending us, to give that word from you, God, that says you are a God that loves us, that wants to be in relationship with us, that there isn't anything, God, that is too far away from you. I pray we'd be faithful like Peter to go and share with Cornelius' household this good news that you are a God who Uh, yes, was crucified on a cross, but rose three days later, brings this message of redemption. Redemption in your life, Jesus, and also in ours, that we can live this out and be a part of and be ambassadors of reconciliation, reclaiming this world for you, God. For you. Lead us, God, we pray in your name. Amen.